I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. What's up? Happy uh, MLK Day to you. Happy MLK Day. Day of service, day on or day of restorative rest. Absolutely. Which was it for you? It was a little blend of both, depending upon how one defines service. Uh, Usually I'm pretty organized on this day and me and my kids are out in these streets early in the morning doing something. But a lot of things were shifted because the uh, Omicron variant on Mm -hmm. the rampage. So I joined a wonderful uh, Jack and Jill event virtually where we talked about food insecurity and did a lot of teaching. That was really dope. I was passively just watching. It was cool. And then I felt like I served some today. I had two mentee meetings with college students who aspire to go to medical school, who look like me. Mm-hmm. And child, that was community service, honey. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. What about you? I think I felt a little bit more on the rest spectrum mm-hmm. just because... I occasionally suffer from bouts of insomnia and last Mm -hmm. night was one of those nights. So I decided why not take this day to try to relax a little bit, recapture some of that sleep that I lost. Mm. So yeah, I spent half the day just laying on my couch. Well, um, Mahalia looks cute. Yeah. Mahalia is going on four weeks strong with these Marley twists. I'm here for it. I am not mad at her. She looks really good. Your girl Jules is over here. You know, she just... She's a little flat today, but you know what? I was just thinking about this. I am really fortunate that I am a black woman who does not sweat in my scalp at all. At all? Mm-mm, at wow. all. So um, this is important. I'm sure the black women listening to this are like, oh, oh my goodness, <laughs> really? Yes, child, really. So if I straighten my hair, I can go for a run. I can do a full workout. I can do just about anything unless there are elements outside. It's going to look how it looked when I started. And, you know, hair, hair is a real barrier to to working out and doing what you're going to do, whether you wear your hair in a natural style or not, because Mm -hmm. honey, a good sweat (laughs) in your scalp will do you in. Right. That'll undo a whole lot of work. So Mm -hmm. no wonder you're able to keep your fitness game up. Yeah. Oh, I I might be at about a four pack now. Four pack. Okay. That's a 3.5 pack. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. By the summer, we're going to be a solid six. So for real, for real. Dang, well, let me go ahead and step my game up. I ain't about to get left behind. <laughs> Can't be letting them old ladies get you. But this I'm is the new, the new AARP, abs, arms, and rump pumped. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That's what we're working with. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying you got to be confident in yours, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I'm that. like, girl, I see you. I, I, I talk to myself when I work out. I'm like, I see you, girl. I see what you're doing. Dang. And I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. All right. Abs, arms, and rump pump. Yes, okay. the new AARP. Yes, that's right. 
Okay. You heard it here first. Oh, shoot. Maybe I need to join. <laughs> you're too young. <laughs> you're too young. You, you got you to gotta wait a little bit before you can join the AARP. <laughs> Uh, that's so um, did you like learn anything besides these nonsensical things I just mentioned? <laughs> well, all of those things make perfect sense to me. Thank you. And I'm hella late to this game, but the new Curbsiders Teach series, have you been put on yet? Ma'am. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? I shouldn't say it like you just so late. They haven't had a bazillion episodes, but you know, the homie was on there. Um, actually, a few of the homies. Mm-hmm. Gurpreet Dhaliwal was on there recently, yep. dropping them pearls as only Gurpreet does. Yeah. And then the other homies were on there. Jennifer Spicer, mm-hmm. Jeff Stetson. That yep. was dope. Yeah. yeah. Was good. Special shout out to uh, my dear friend, Dr. Ira K, okay. who's the host. Okay. And fun fact, Ira and I actually met, I think maybe... A couple of weeks before I started applying to residency, she had come okay. to visit some family mm-hmm. and I was just like, man, this is a dope individual. Wow. It's a shame that I won't be going to UCSF. <laughs> <laughs> and then lo and behold. So, and look, is she, is she, um, general medicine also? Yeah. Yeah. Aww, the so, dopest people are gen med. Yeah. Oh, I noticed that. And then of course my colleague, uh, Dr. Calvin Chow. How much do you love him? Like infinitely. There like aren't enough words to describe. Oh how my gosh. Well, so I did listen to that episode and um, it was about feedback. We highly recommend it. It was mm-hmm. great. Yep. I immediately texted him and I was like, oh my gosh, what a <laughs> treat to listen to like the most warm person that I adore in academic medicine talking for like 40 minutes. He is just yeah, the best. Exactly. And as much a delight to hear on the podcast as to work next to in person. Mm. So uh, shout out to the VA folks. Shout out to the VA folks. I like that podcast a lot. I I did tell you that I'm one of the last people to watch Ted Lasso. (laughs) And I find myself reflecting so much on that show and how it applies to what we do every day at work, interacting with different personalities, people feeling insecure, people being tough on the outside, but actually soft on the inside. So if y'all haven't watched Ted Lasso on Apple Plus TV, y'all should. And if you got one of the homies has, you know, Apple Plus, they just let them use, just use their login. Uh, speaking of which, if you can go ahead and slide that login information into oh, yeah. the chat box. Cause... What if Apple podcast takes us off, us off the podcast, though, because I'm sliding you just. <laughs> You're right. You're right. We, <laughs> we respect the sovereignty of individual accounts on this show. Yeah. Yeah, we but do. I'm going to but... text you afterwards. Okay, for sure. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> People, get ready. Drum roll, please. It is your lucky day. You know what that means. It means that today, (laughs) me, Ashley McMullen, is telling the story. For me, that means I'm about to sit back in this chair and sip this lukewarm Dunkin' Donuts coffee. (laughs) To clarify, are you going to hype me up like this every time that it's my week to tell the story? I want to be very clear that one of my strengths is that I'm a very good hype woman. (laughs) I'm very, I am the flavor flavor of medicine. I will hype you up at all times. So yeah, I, I can do this each week if this is what you're looking for. Okay. We'll I see. mean, if you want me to introduce you before you give grand rounds, I, I will, you know, that, I might bust a rhyme. 
(laughs) that I actually will take you up on. Okay, for sure. All right, sis, the what for today. Okay. Oh, I was supposed to ask you that. I'm sorry. What's yeah, you're right. It's <laughs> Mona, let's stay on game. <laughs> sorry. What's the what, sis? <laughs> the what is conviction. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Conviction. Well, it's a good one if you're not talking if you're talking about the kind of conviction I hope you're talking about. <laughs> not the kind that's not good. <laughs> right. I think this is a good kind. After the last story I told, talking about mentorship at that crucial juncture of college, Mm -hmm. it just took me all down memory lane in terms of what were some of those formative experiences that solidified my my trajectory into medicine. And I'll tell you about one. So this was, Jesus, I think maybe starting like right after that summer before junior year of college. Okay. I I was working in a lab that I talked about before back at Baylor. And so I was at a point, this is my second summer uh, working in the lab. I mentioned like how I gained all that confidence at that point. And part of me was really trying to convince myself that maybe I should go to grad school instead of Mm. medical school. Mm. I felt really comfortable with research. I was excited about it. But to be honest, and I think I knew this at the time as well, like a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was afraid of taking the MCAT. In retrospect, I'm pretty sure I would not have done any better on the GRE, but somehow it seemed (laughs) less intimidating at the time. And that summer, I met another pre-med student uh, who was working in the same lab as me. Mm -hmm. And he was sharing a little bit about his experience. The the previous summer, like he think he did like two weeks in Central America. He had found this program that, you know, you, you pay like quite a bit of money for, like as a college student to be able to go on these kind of like mission-based trips where you do like health screenings. And the way he was talking about it, I was like, oh, that sounds like pretty dope. Maybe I'd like to do something like that. So I was talking to my mom about it. And, you know, just as a sidebar to uh, all all our listeners, there is a recurring theme in my stories. That is my mother always gives me (laughs) very solid advice, even though I'm like reluctant to take it in at the time. (laughs) Well, one of the reasons I had gone to this uh, liberal arts university in, in San Antonio for college was my mom had suggested applying there because she knew or knew of this guy who was a really like accomplished individual. He had founded this program called the Baylor International Pediatric AIDS Initiative. So it was like this global organization to bring HIV, like outpatient care to communities around the world with high rates of HIV, especially in a pediatric population. Mm -hmm. And so again, like didn't have personal ties. This guy just knew of him and he happened to be an alumni from my school. So she was like, you should talk to him. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just. And I'm sorry, was he a brother? No. Okay. No. He was a white man. Again, no personal connection other than knowing that he had gone to my school some number of years before I went there. Okay. So I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll send the guy an email. He's not going to write me back. Sent the guy an email. He wrote me back immediately. Mm. And I was just like, damn. (laughs) Because I didn't know exactly what to say. I told him that I go to Trinity. I... I'm working at Baylor this summer, would love to to talk to you. And he was just like, yeah, come to my office. The problem was I had no idea what I was supposed to say. Uh, I had no (laughs) agenda. I was not expecting a response. So I was like, oh, crap. But, you know, my mom had suggested like, you know, just getting his opinion on, you know, what might be some 
opportunities for undergraduate students to do abroad or just kind of like pick his brain essentially like with zero expectations Mm -hmm. so I go to his office and I just kind of started the conversation off telling a little bit about myself and kind of this very 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 basic (laughs) naive interest in global health do you have any advice for me essentially he like turns behind him and there's this map on his wall that has different locations where his clinics are at, which are like mostly in Africa. And he was just like, yeah, where do you want to go? And I was just like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) I've never even been out the country. I had no idea. I didn't come expecting to have any like kind of connection to his program. And he's like, I think you should go to Lesotho. Let's set you up to go there. Where's Lesotho? (laughs) Oh my goodness. So Lesotho is this kind of small, it's actually a kingdom that is enclosed within South Africa, kind of like Swaziland. Okay. So I was just like, okay, did a little research. And I think the population of Lesotho is somewhere around 2 million. It's Mm -hmm. relatively small. It's a beautiful country kind of up in the mountains they've managed to avoid the apartheid that plagued South Africa for so long Mm. and just like a beautiful vibrant culture and a very unique place to to visit Um, at the same time like extraordinarily like resource poor (laughs) one of the highest rates of HIV in the world I think uh, at least at that time it was like 25 percent wow so like one in four wow yeah So he was basically just like, if you can get a flight there, I'll take care of everything else. So told my mom, hey, I'm going to Lesotho. So we somehow scrounge up some funds to get this international flight. And again, granted, I've never been outside the country and I'm about to travel for like 24 hours (laughs) to get to this country that I just heard about. So nervous. Yeah. So flew from Houston to London and then from London to Johannesburg. I'd used up the batteries on all of my electronic devices going to London and then got on a Virgin Atlantic flight from London to Johannesburg. I think this was like a 15 hour flight. I had a middle seat somewhere in the back with nothing to do because (laughs) their entertainment system had also gone down. Another fun fact, Richard Branson, the founder of like Virgin Everything, yeah. was on that flight. Oh, wow. Did he say hi? Yeah. Or he just like walked back there and was like waving at people. I was like very disoriented because I was just staring at the back of the seat. For, like, you should ask him if he had any electronics. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you have a portable charger. <laughs> yeah. It was a very unique experience that I could probably only pull off in my 20s. Right. So... Yeah, made it to Johannesburg and from Johannesburg flew on this l- tiny little plane to Maseru, Lesotho. Wow. And, you know, I really kind of dislike some of the, like the cliche tendencies around like, you know, people from the West coming to resource poor countries and kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, having this like come to Jesus moment that, yeah. oh my for God. Two, for two weeks only. Right, exactly. <laughs> But, you know, I have to say, like, it was life-changing in the sense that I was just like the, the type of experience that I would never have growing up in, in the United States and, and recognizing the 
uh, the juxtaposition of, you know, such beauty and culture with such severe poverty. And, you know, the, the program had gotten some funding from a pharmaceutical company to build this beautiful clinic out here. And again, uh, focused primarily on the pediatric population. Mm-hmm. And so each morning, and I was staying at this little private residence they had built, like literally right next door to the clinic. Mm-hmm. And I'd wake up every morning and just see like a line, like just almost a mile, like down from the door of the clinic, like all the way down the path leading up to it from like the moment the place opened. And uh, the people who were staffing it were some of the like the dopest individuals, like mm. folks who were like local physicians, others who were coming from abroad, some folks who were volunteering um, parts of their time, like straight out of residency. You know, so I would mostly be shadowing them and then helping with some of like the, the scholarly efforts that they were doing there. Yeah. And I remember one morning, if I remember correctly, I think I was like somewhere in the lobby of the clinic and uh, I just heard someone start screaming mm. from outside, you know, with, with the folks who were coming in with their children. Sometimes there would be children bringing children. Mm. Um, other times it would be mothers like bringing their, their whole families there, mm-hmm. having the, the wraps where they would have cares and the kids on their backs. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty phenomenal to see them do it. I was just like, that seems like something that would, you know, be hazardous if I even attempted <laughs> right. that. But this woman had been waiting for hours for her child to be seen. I think this kid must have been like somewhere between, couldn't have been more than four years old. Mm-hmm. She had finally gotten her time to come in the clinic, took the child off of her back, and the child was deceased. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was so surreal because I think, you know, even though the, the physicians who had been there for a while and of course had also like rotated through some local like hospitals and had seen a lot of, you know, just like just dire health inequity, were also like stunned and just speechless this child who was just like laying on a clinic table who had just been waiting to get seen and you know and you had seen the child alive before I had not okay but the child was in her wrap yeah the the child was certainly alive when they came to the clinic Mm. or at least Mm. when they left the home and who knows how far like many people had traveled to to get there I know that the the child had HIV but I'm not sure exactly what the cause was, I know that mm. I, if I remember, there was a lot of thrush in mm. um, the, the oral pharynx. So I imagine this was a child who'd had pretty advanced immunodeficiency. Mm. You know, again, it was just all kind of surreal. I was just like, what the, f-? like, did that just happen? Yeah. I'd come back to the place where I was staying after like a long day in clinic. And of course, like, you know, there's tons of people outside who kind of got to keep going. And I just like sitting on the couch and just like, what am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm about to not even try to be a doctor, like out of fear. Yeah. And meanwhile, like stuff like this is going on. It's just like, what are you like, what are you doing? (laughs) And it was just like such a strong sense of conviction. Mm of whether or not, you know, you nail the MCAT or struggle or like whatever happens, like you have to try. Mm, mm. And, you know, of course, you know, I didn't end up going into like global medicine, infectious disease. And, but more than that, 
that was my main, or I guess like probably the most potent reinforcement of what health inequity like really looks like. Mm. You know, here we are, this billion dollar pharmaceutical company coming abroad to like start a clinic and hand out these life-saving medications that have already changed the game in the United States, like Mm -hmm. years before this. Deaths from pediatric HIV at that point in the United States were just like- Unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. And to just come here, like, you know, sort of on a whim and just like watch that happen. I was just like, yeah, what in the world am I doing Like Mm. out here trying to play it safe? Mm. So, yeah, and there were some other things that happened throughout my time there. Um, I'd also spent time in their adult hospital. Some of the most phenomenal women local physicians Mm. that I've ever met. These women were some bosses. Like I remember Mm. scrubbing into surgery with this one lady. I called myself going to shadow her in the operating room and she had like case after case and I, um, I didn't bring anything to eat <laughs> in my mind. I was just like, I'll just go to the cafeteria or like <laughs> rookie move. Right. Yeah. You could see where I was coming from one, no ca- cafeteria by the end of like, you know, the morning I was about to pass out, but I didn't want to admit I didn't have any food. Cause she was like, all right, let's go to lunch. And I was just like, ah, I'm not hungry. I'll just be over here reading. <laughs> And um, she comes over and she just like takes her sandwich and she cuts it in half without saying anything and just like slides it over to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you learn, you learn, you learn to prepare to, uh, to, to food prep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There were so Dang. many important lessons that were learned on that trip. I love that. Among many things, among conviction and, you know, coming prepared for any and all uh, food desert situations. Um, <laughs> the, the graciousness mm. of those physicians and the individuals in, in that community. First of all, highlighting the, the culture and the history of, you know, avoiding apartheid, like having this kingdom surrounded by a whole other country and, and maintaining that sense of, of, of pride and community. Mm-hmm. There was a magic there that was not hindered by capitalistic society that we're used to. And, and by that, right. I mean, like there was something to be said about being in a place when you're not bombarded by advertisement after advertisement of yeah. things that you need <laughs> or like don't need, but like suddenly like are told that you need. It's just like, mm-hmm you know, it was much easier to just be present Mm. while there, Mm. as opposed to like constantly in this like scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And along like with just like the beauty of the countryside and just like the generosity, like I went out and did some, some visits to some folks in like the very rural community. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, whatever they had to give, they were so ready to give. Yeah. And um, yeah. It just kind of reframed the way you looked at what you were supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's lovely. I love that. These are sort of what I call Esther moments to those who kind of didn't grow up reading um, biblical text. There's a, a scripture about Esther where after many things happen, perhaps 
you were created for a time such as this. Mm -hmm. And I, I do find myself thinking a lot about what am I supposed to be doing? Like me specifically, what am I supposed to be doing with who I am? Yeah, we do need people to get PhDs and to be researchers. You know, no, definitely no shade to had you gone that that route. But but what if you are ignoring your Esther moment because of fear? Exactly. And it's so funny too because um, the courage that it took to do that. I'm I listen to this story and I think to myself, there's no way that somebody could have convinced me to do that at that <laughs> stage. Probably. A, a combination of fear, but also ignorance. Yeah. Um, so shout out, shout out also to your mom because because that that all could have been like shut right down by if your mom had not really been fanning your flames. Mm -hmm. um, you probably might not have done something like that. Yeah. No, I, I'm I I know for sure that was not easy for her to like yeah. see me get on a plane to a country that none of us had heard of. I think. <laughs> You know, she, I think she had enough faith also in um, the, the founder of the program. I was also his name, Mark Klein, who is now the chief medical officer of a children's hospital in New Orleans. Okay. And it was a very well-organized, well-thought-out plan. Like, you know, I was emailing her kind of routinely as I was there. But yeah, no, I think, you know, her fear definitely could have put a tamper on the situation. Yeah. I mean, just hearing the whole thing, I just think about like, how many things we we don't do because we get afraid or because or and I keep including ignorance because there's there's this idea of what you think is going to happen when you get there because you've never had an experience like that you know it's something that i i, I carried i've carried with me and like reflected on i think particularly you know not just in terms of the journey in medicine or, or travel but just like how many times in our lives do we have these like convictions about things that we're supposed to do or things that perhaps we're supposed to let go of mm -hmm. that we will try to convince ourselves otherwise? And when you really look at the root cause of what keeps us stagnant, it's fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being able to at least name it and understand it for what it is. Yep. And also recognizing like what formative experience or what, like what purpose or life trajectory are you potentially derailing? And that's deep. I also think a lot about who we are and knowing who you are and trusting that. It took me far too long to, to trust who I am. So when I think about something like us starting a podcast, the two of us, right? You, you have to believe before you go into that that what you have to say is worth somebody hearing. And, and if you don't think that, you would never actually do it, right? Yep. If you write an essay, to take it and move it to the next space, you have to actually believe that it's worth it. I think that that happens at different points in our lives all the time. And I, and I do feel like it's up to us to try really hard to reflect that to people sooner than it was reflected to us. Yep. Because my parents, they did a great job affirming me as, as a kid, but I still feel like that narrative in my head was that I was always reaching for the lowest rung. You know, I want to get in medical school. I want to match. I want to pass step one mm -hmm. versus why would I not? Why, why, why would I not be dope? 
I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing something. What things do I need to do to get to this next step? And let me stop selling myself short. Right. I wouldn't have had the courage to get on that flight. <laughs> I really wouldn't have. I would not have had the courage to shout out to that man for like not knowing you from a can of paint and saying, <laughs> all right, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> from nobody I know, right for real shout out to to dr klein and you know again like you just you just don't know who who is out there yep. ready to make a way for you um that's real and you know like that last time when you told a story about how your mentors may not look like you they may yep. not seem packaged up like what you think it's going to be but can be the person that opens the door that literally changes your life Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Love you, sis. Ashley McMullen, I love you right back. And I really appreciate you um, until we meet again, right? That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the Beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.